Uh, just a reminder to everyone, following our second service this morning, we're going to have a voters meeting uh, down in the Undercroft. We'll also have a, a light lunch serve during that. So if you can come, that would be greatly appreciated. Um, I also will be out of town Monday through Wednesday of this week at an Eastern District Pastoral Conference. If you're in need of any emergency pastoral care, please contact the office, and we'll be sure to help you out. Uh, because I'll be gone also this coming Wednesday uh, afternoon service will also be canceled. Uh, we will resume those next Wednesday as normal. The Old Testament reading for this, the 21st Sunday after Pentecost, is from the 45th chapter of Isaiah. Thus says the Lord to his anointed, to Cyrus, whose right hand I have grasped to subdue nations before him and to loose the belts of kings, to open doors before him that gates may not be closed. I will go before you and level the exalted places. I will break in pieces the doors of bronze and cut through the bars of iron. I will give you the treasures of darkness and the hordes in secret places, that you may know that it is I, the Lord, the God of Israel, who call you by your name. For the sake of my servant Jacob and Israel, my chosen, I call you by your name. I name you, though you do not know me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I equip you, though you do not know me, that people may know from the rising of the sun and from the west that there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form light and create darkness. I make well-being and create calamity. I am the Lord who does all these things. This is the word of the Lord. Our epistle reading is from the first chapter of 1 Thessalonians. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, and in the Holy Spirit, and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction, with the joy of the Holy Spirit, so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the 22nd chapter. Then the Pharisees went and plotted how to entangle Jesus in his talk, and they sent their disciples to him 
along with the Herodians, saying, Teacher, we know that you are true and teach the way of God truthfully, and you do not care about anyone's opinion, for you are not swayed by appearances. Tell us then what you think. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? But Jesus, aware of their malice, said, Why put me to the test, you hypocrites? Show me the coin for the tax. And they brought him a denarius. And Jesus said to them, Whose likeness and inscription is this? They said, Caesar's. Then he said to them, Therefore render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. When they heard it, they marveled, and they left him and went away. This is the gospel of the Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father and our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus stood holding a coin in his hand. He took this coin and turned it around. The coin, a denarius, is something everyone had. It was their version of a quarter. As Jesus looked at this tiny coin, he stared at the face on the coin. It was a stamp of the face of Caesar. On the other side of the coin was an inscription. It read, Tiberius Caesar, son of the divine Augustus, high priest of Rome. Jesus held a coin in his hand with the picture of a man who declared himself the son of the gods and the high priest of Rome. And then the Pharisees asked Jesus this question. Is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? This was a trap. If Jesus said, no, you don't have to pay your taxes, the Romans would arrest him. Or if Jesus said, yes, pay your taxes, then the people might attack Jesus because Rome was occupying Israel and the people hated everything about Rome. So Jesus held this coin, this coin with the face of a human declaring himself to be a high priest, a son of the gods. And Jesus said very simply, give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but give to God the things that are God's. You have to pay your taxes. I know we love to complain about taxes and how high they are. But keep in mind the big picture of eternal life. Taxes are just money. Money doesn't last forever. And for Jesus, the money has Caesar's face and name on the coin, so it must belong to Caesar, so give it back to him. That's why he said that to the Pharisees. And when Jesus said this, I'm reminded of what preschoolers will often do with the things that belong to them. Have you ever noticed that little children will get a marker and write their name on things that belong to them? A little boy will write his name on a car. Belongs to him. His name is on the car. Or a little girl will write her name on her dollhouse. It belongs to her. Her name is written on it. So for Jesus, give Caesar the coin. It belongs to him. After all, the coin has his name written on it. But then Jesus says something harder, much harder. 
Give the money to Caesar. Give him that tax. But then Jesus said, give to God what is God's. Give God what God deserves. Basically, give God his tax. And I don't think anyone expected to hear this from Jesus. How do we give God the tax that we owe? How do we pay God back for what we owe God? For example, this morning the sun rose. Just like it does every day. But you know what? There is a tax for that. That doesn't just happen for free. Or when it rains. That water is sent by God. And there is a tax to pay for that. Nothing in life is free. Not even rain. But how on earth are we supposed to pay that tax? What thanks can we give to earn the sun and the rain? But then there are harder things. God has blessed each and every one of you here with life this morning. All of you are breathing. And all of your hearts are beating. You are all alive. And believe it or not, there is a tax for that. But how can we pay that? So are we called to pay God back with a holy life? But what happens when we can't pay God back with a holy life? In fact, what happens when we sin? When we sin, we just get deeper and deeper in debt. We are called to purify our hearts, to make them holy and loving toward God and neighbor. This is our tax we owe to God. But we can't pay it back. Not perfectly. Because of our sinful nature, we're not able to pay God back what we owe to God. Jesus said, give to God what is God's. That was not a suggestion. Jesus gave all of us an order. Give this to God. And when we reach deep into the pockets of our hearts to pay up, all we can pull out of our hearts is our own love of sinning. We can't pay the tax. When we reach into the purses of our minds to pay God back with pure thoughts, We find more failures than successes. We can't pay God back with what God demands. Jesus said, give to God what is God's. So we reach into our own wallet and pull out a perfect life. And unfortunately, the wallets of our souls are empty. Give to God what is God's. And we can't. Not a single one of us can As hard as we try, we keep failing. As hard as we may want to, we can't pay God back perfectly. And yet there Jesus stands saying to everyone, saying to all of us a command that just makes me shake when I think about it. Give to God what is God's. And I know I can't. And I think you know you can't. So what do we do? 
Today, Jesus stood there holding a coin. And the image on the coin was of Caesar. A man claiming to be the son of a divine being, a high priest. This image and this title were stamped into that coin. So if that's what Caesar wants, just give it to him. Who cares? It's a coin. But God, God wants something else. God wants something more. Jesus stood there holding this coin. I can almost picture Jesus kind of just turning it around, rolling the coin in his fingers, looking at it. The image of Caesar, son of the gods, is on that coin. But the one holding that coin, Jesus, is the real son of God, the father. And the title on this coin that Caesar is the high priest of Rome... I have no doubt, as Jesus looked at that coin of a human leader proclaiming himself high priest of Rome, that Jesus probably chuckled to himself. Because Jesus, God in the flesh, is the great high priest who came into this world for one reason and one reason alone. He came to save us by offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. Basically, Jesus came to pay our taxes. Give to God what is God's. That's what Jesus said. Basically, pay your tax to God. And every human heart comes up empty, unable to pay that tax. Every single human heart except one, Jesus himself. So Jesus hangs on the cross to pay our taxes. Jesus gives to God what is God's, something we could never do. And that is something Jesus gladly does, all for you. Gladly and willingly pays his taxes, not to Caesar, but to God. For all the times when we should give thanks to God for the rain and the fact that the sun rose this morning, Jesus paid that tax on the cross. He paid the price for that. We have hearts that are beating right now. We are all breathing right now. In spite of living in a fallen, sinful, dying world. Jesus paid that tax so you can live even in a dying world. And the tax for holy living we can't pay. Jesus is also paying that tax and the shedding of his blood for you. The tax for living a a life in perfect devotion to God. Something we're really deficient in paying. Yes, Jesus is hanging on the cross for you to pay that tax for you as well. We have to give to God what is God's. And nothing is greater than a holy life. Nothing is greater than giving God pure hearts and pure souls. And we are very 
tardy in our payments and we'll never pay perfectly. So Jesus did pay. He paid for you. Jesus has given to God everything that belongs to God. With our debts paid off, with our taxes covered by Christ's sacrifice, you are ready. You are ready to keep living a life of faith right now in this world, trusting in what Christ has done for you. We will never live perfect lives and have holy thinking, not perfectly. But Christ has done both for you. So you may live perfectly faithful lives in him right now, always looking to him for your salvation. Stay close to him in this life. Cling to him. Jesus has paid every single debt you have ever owed. And I pray that every day of your life, for as many days as God gives you in this world, that you would stay close to Christ. The one who has given to God everything that belongs to God. And he has done that all for you. Amen. And now may the peace of our God, which surpasses our understanding, keep your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.